Good morning. It's really good to be here with you. If you're joining us online today, we're really glad that you're with us as well. If you're listening or watching later this week, again, welcome. Uh, We're starting a new series today, but I, I have a question for you as we jump into it this morning. Do you consider yourself a mature person? All right. Do you consider yourself a mature person? Now, you have to think about that carefully. I think a lot of us need to just don't answer right away. Right? you got to think about this. How mature are you, really? And if you need to ask the person next to you, um, take him. No, don't do that. I, we don't have time for that. We, you don't want that kind of honesty this morning. But um, if you were to ask my wife um, if I was a m- mature person, she'd say living with me. In all seriousness, it's like we have two teenage sons. It's like living with three teenage boys. Uh, There are times where my teenage boys look at me and say, you are so immature, all right? So when you've arrived there, you know exactly where you stand on the scale of maturity, all right? Because I could be very immature, all right? But what about you? What about you? What would people say about you? How mature would you say you are? And And in all seriousness, I'm not talking about like how you respond necessarily to bathroom humor, all right, or or your maturity level in uh, like that you're the type of person that like takes things really seriously, like you always have like a serious tone, right? Not talking about that. Not even about like are you gaining knowledge in a certain area? Like we use that kind of definition for maturity. Like I'm I'm getting I'm gaining knowledge. I'm maturing in this certain area. I'm really talking about that. I'm talking about what is inside of you. All right, that's what we're going to be talking about, not just today, but for the rest of the, really for the, for the good portion of the summer. What's inside of you? All right, what do you, what, what's going on in here? What's developing in here? What's growing up in you day by day? That's the real question about maturity. What's growing up inside of you day by day? So we're kicking off a series today, that's gonna, and, we're gonna, and we're gonna go through nine weeks of it, all right? And it's called Growing Up, Growing Up. Now, there's this list for us, and it's found in Galatians chapter 5, and Paul is going to write this to the Christians living in the province of Galatia, and he's going to write, he's going to, write to them right, about these things. He's going to give us this list, all right? And whenever Paul writes the list, it's kind of fascinating, all right? There's this list in, in the book of Galatians in the Bible, all right? And it's this list of things that the Holy Spirit produces or matures in us once we put our faith in Jesus, Right? That's where the list comes from. It's this list of things that the Holy Spirit produces in us. And it's found in Galatians chapter 5. And I want to read that list with you this morning. If you have a Bible, um, we're going to be bouncing kind of a little bit all over the place. But I would start out in Galatians chapter 5. We have a Bible at the hub for you. If you don't have one, they're free. We just want you to grab one, okay? But Galatians chapter 5, we're going to start in verse 22. This is the list, all right? That's what he says. But the fruit of the Spirit is love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Now, we're going to jump into this here this morning. But before we do that, I feel like I need to spend just a couple minutes setting up the next the next eight weeks for us, okay? I want to set this up for you because I want to make sure, and we're going to repeat this over and again over the next couple months, all right, that this is kind of getting implanted in our heads and in our hearts. There's four things I want you to know in order for us to navigate through this summer series and get the most out of it. There's four things that you need to know, and here's the first one. These things in the list that Paul just gave us in Galatians 5, they are produced in you. Okay, you cannot work to build them in yourself on your own. All right? That is a critical point. All right? 
those who have put their faith in Jesus, the Holy Spirit came and comes and lives inside of us, the very presence of God. And that's not just true positionally, like, oh yeah, like God's with me, right? Positionally, that's true. But it's true actually, all right? That the, that the presence of God is inside every believer, moving with you, breathing with you, walking this life with you, empowering you, all right? So that first and foremost, the thing that you have to remember, I want you to know, is that these things are produced in you by the Holy Spirit. You cannot build them in yourself, all right? That's important. Next nine weeks, you have to know this, all right? Here's the second thing. There is an opposite product present in us as well. There is life in the Spirit, but there's also the sinful nature, okay? And Paul talks about this throughout the New Testament of the Bible. The sinful nature are the, is the things that you and I want out of life and for ourselves that are contrary to the things that God wants. So there's a constant battle happening in us. There's a constant battle against patience and love and joy and peace. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you have to understand that there's a fight going on inside your heart and for your heart against two different natures, life in the spirit and life that you want to live for yourself, which is the sinful nature. Here's a third thing. The fruit is not given to us, this fruit of the Spirit, all right, is not given to us in a list, but in totality. Now, I say that, and you say, well, no, it's, it's a list. I, you just read it. We saw it on the screen. Now, it, it is a list, but it's not a list of individual things. It is the, the sum total. The list is more important than the individual parts. So if you read this and you go through this series and say, you know, of all the things that I think I need to work on, what is this one? Gentleness is probably the one I'm going to work. No, 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 because they, it's a package deal. And so first and foremost, okay, again, what I need you to know is that all of these things are happening to you in total, life in the spirit things, all of these things are being developed, okay? It's not pick and choose, all right? And we'll talk a little bit about that more later, all right? Here's number four, the fourth thing. And then we're going to launch into our topic for today. Fourth thing, Jesus embodied all of these things perfectly because you can't. Because you and I don't. He embodied them and lived them out perfectly. So we have to depend on his grace to grow us up in these things. That's kind of repeat, a repeat of number one. But I put it in there again because it's that important. So those four things, if you can remember those four things, if you can meditate on those four things, we're going to navigate through this series, and, and God's going to bless you, and you're going to walk away a changed person because he's doing the changing in you. So what are we talking about today? Well, we're going to start from the beginning where Paul talks about love, all right? We're going to talk about love, all right? Quite possibly in the English language, the most um, overused, underappreciated, and grossly misunderstood word ever. The word love. That's what we're talking about today. All right, so here's our big idea. It's, a, it's something I want you to write down. You can take a picture of the screen or something anytime you want. Express love through action. Express love through action. So this is how Paul says, but, and we'll look at the list here in a few minutes of what he says right before he says, but the fruit of the Spirit is, there's a list that comes before it, and we'll look at it, but we're going to focus on this one. But, he says, the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's the first thing he says. Right out of the gate, top of the list, most important, maybe, love. The Holy Spirit wants to develop in you and me 
a deeper capacity for love. Now, none of us would be against that. There's not a person in this room, and I don't know, you know, watching online, I don't know what your belief in faith is or what you believe about God or Jesus or the church, but all of us would say, I could develop a deeper capacity for love, absolutely. All right, that's a good place to start. We're going to take it a little bit deeper. Because there's a saying in our culture. It's actually more than just a saying that's in our culture now. It's actually a worldview that has developed very rapidly. And maybe you've heard this phrase, this mantra, maybe you've said it. And that is, love is love. Love is love. Have you ever heard that? Man, love is just love, right? Now, what do we mean by that, right? It seems like a simplistic, obvious statement. Love is love, right? But that phrase, in that phrase, when you just, it, it, man, it's a lot of stuff packed in there, isn't it? We're not going to unpack all of it today. But when we say love is love, what we're, the mantra says that love is whatever I feel that it is. I'm just, this is just basic, right? I mean, just, let's just be, we got to have an honest conversation today. When I say love is love, I say that love is whatever I feel that it is. When I say love is love, I say that love is whatever, to whomever, and however I want to express it. I get to define what love is, and love means anything I want it to mean. That's what that phrase means. Now, when I say it like that, we're like, well, I mean, come on. But isn't that what it means? Yeah, of course it's what it means. But there's a threefold problem with that. And before we talk about the love that Paul talks about, the love that the Holy Spirit wants to develop a deeper capacity in your heart for, we've got to deconstruct a little bit what our culture has said love is just a little bit, or we'll be here all morning if, I, if we go on and on, right? Here's the first thing. It's a, prob- it's a threefold problem with love is love, and the first one is it's selfish. That is the most selfish statement you could ever hear or say. It's the most selfish worldview you could ever adhere to. You say, why? It's a completely self-absorbed worldview because it says that my brand of love is what's good and best. It's what's good and best. My brand of love is sufficient, all right? And, and, and to say that is, it's selfish because it says, it's what I think is good for me. It's what I think is good for me, all right? But it's not necessarily what's good for other people, but I don't care because I get to define it. It's a very, it, at the most basic level, it's the most selfish worldview you could take on. Here's the second thing, though. It's also, number two, it's also very short-sighted, okay? If you get to define love, and let's, I don't, I mean, and, and we got, you know, 100 people in here, we'd have 100 different definitions if I asked. Yeah, maybe 80, all right? You get to define it. Then guess what? So does everybody else. Everyone else gets to define love however they want to. You see how this is short-sighted? So you have no basis. If love is just love, then you have no basis to understand how other people need to receive love because it doesn't matter to you because love for you is just love for you. You also have no understanding or basis for how other people will want to express it to you because for them, here's the thing. If I love you and I say, I mean, loving me is, loving for me is I love giving you flowers. Like, that's love for me. I love giving gifts, right? But the other person might say, well, my definition of love is, is just using you for sex. Well, who's wrong? Who's right? Both people. Doesn't matter, does it? 
It's short-sighted because if you get to define love as just being love, then there's no basis for how somebody wants to receive it from you. And you can't be angry or put out or upset when they give it to you in a way that you don't want to receive it. It's very short-sighted. Number three, it's aimless. It's selfish, it's short-sighted, and it's super aimless. If you don't know what the target is, guess what? Like, you've heard this a million times, right? You've heard it from teachers or college professors or from an employer, right? You're not going to hit it if you don't know what you're aiming at. How do you know? If, if, if you don't know what love is, how do you know that you're loving? How do you know that you've hit it? How do you know that you're receiving it? How do you know that you're expressing love fully and correctly? Guess what? You can't. It's an undefinable word in this worldview then. Let me put it this way. If you want to go to the mountains for vacation this summer, but you don't look at a map, and you, and you don't make a plan, you're out. You're going you're gonna, to you're gonna go south, you're going to get on I-65 through Louisville, and you're going to end up in Gulf of Mexico in Alabama somewhere, on I-65. And guess where you will have arrived? Someplace. But you will not be at the mountains. Okay doesn't matter how you define it. Doesn't, I don't care where you wanted to go. I don't care how beautiful, because you love the mountains. They're majestic. They, they relax you. It's beautiful. It's green. You love it. But if you don't know where you're going, you're just going to be wading through sand. And then you're not going to be able to forget being able to tell someone else how to get to the mountains. You don't know yourself. It's aimless. So let me just de deconstruct this for you, and then we're going to move on. So love isn't love, because that's way too simplistic. Love is complex, and it's nuanced, but it isn't undefinable. So we need to go find a definition for it. So what if, what if the creator of the universe, what if the God who created stars and mountains and the beach what if the God who knows you intimately, knows your heart, loves you deeply, what if the God who, and if you're a follower of Jesus anyway, and I know not all of us are, but if God can raise Jesus from the dead, guys, all right, if we believe in a God who can bring dead things back to life, then when my God gives us a definition of godly love, then there is a part of me that says he's got to be trustworthy, and what he says has to be true because he can bring dead things back to life, so I'm going to go with him. It's a, that's at least worth considering, isn't it? I want you to look at how Paul defines love, all right? In the, in the book of 1 Corinthians, he's going to talk to the Christians in Corinth about love. This is a passage many of you know, but I don't want you to just kind of like blah, blah, blah as I read it, all right? Because you've heard it at every wedding that you've ever been to, all right? I want you to read it and hear it because it's complex and it's nuanced and it's not what you think it is, right? Okay, let's read it. To, I'm going to read it, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Paul says, love is patient. Love is kind. It doesn't envy. It doesn't Boast, it is not proud. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. Now this is what the brand of love that the Holy Spirit wants to mature in your heart and in mine. 
That's it. That's the God brand. And just like we said about the, the list of the fruit of the Spirit here, right? the sum total of what Paul's saying is more important than the individual parts. See, all of this talk about patience, and love being patient, and it being kind, and, and love isn't self-seeking, and it doesn't boast, and it's not easily angered. Like, all of those things are important, but God's, God, that is love. You don't get to walk out of here today or any day and say, you know, I'm gonna, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna go work on being patient. Like, that's an attribute that I really need to hone in on. No, it doesn't work that way. This isn't like the golden corral of love buffet, Okay? You don't just walk up and say a little bit of patience today, and once I've got that down, some gentleness, and then I'll stop envying, and a little bit of, and then a, and then a side of you know, mashed potatoes. It doesn't work that way, all right? I and mean, if it's one thing that COVID did is it shut down Golden Corral. Can I get a hallelujah? <laughs> just right. Huh. All right. <laughs> the dinner rolls were awesome. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is that's not how this works, okay? So there is this maturing in you. You don't get to pick what attributes that the Holy Spirit wants to, divide, wants to mature in you. This is something that comes in total, and if that's overwhelming, it should be. But that's not all it should be. Paul goes on. Look in verse 11. He says, when I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. And when I became a man, I put, a ways, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I only know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So how do, how do you and I trust the Holy Spirit to mature us in love? I think there's three things that we can position ourselves for to, to, to allow the Holy Spirit to do his work. Let me share them with you here. The first one that I see Paul saying is, we got to put away the kid stuff. When you, you want to express love through action, the love that God def gives definition to, then we got to put away the kid stuff. All right? You just got to stop, you st stop being childish. Grow up. All right? Many of us, and this isn't like a, I'm not trying to be offensive, it's actually just a reality as we define. Many of us are infantile in the way that we express love. Many of us in the room, many of us watching online, we're infants, we're children when it comes to how we love. We love and treat people based on our emotions. How we feel in the moments or how they make us feel. That's pretty childish. Kids get to feel loving whenever they want, don't they? If they want to feel loving and snuggly with you, grandma and grandpa, if you're a grandparent, right? Or if you're a parent, like kids get to feel loving when they want to feel loving, when they want something from you, all right? Or, you, or, or you're, you've given them a second scoop of ice cream. They're feeling very loving at that time. But when they don't want to love you, they, they're not loving toward you. When you say no to the ice cream, when you say no, we're go, you've got to come inside. Hey, it's bedtime. Right? Do you, do you see just this oozing love out of children at those, in those moments? No, you don't. 
You don't. That's, that's chi- children love like this. Children get to feel loving when they, don't, when they want to, and they don't have to be loving when they don't want to, because that's, that's kids. That's what we expect from kids. Kids get to focus. Here's the thing. Actually, here's, here's the truth. Kids get to focus on receiving love only, don't they? I mean, that's what they get to focus on as a kid. I just want, 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 want. Kids are the most selfish people in the world, all right? And then that's just, the, that's just, and until they mature, no offense, by the way, if you're in here, if you're a child, I love you deeply. <laughs> and so do the people with you, and so does your heavenly father. He loves you so much. Um, you're supposed to be selfish as a child, all right? You grow out of that. Well, <laughs> that's, that's probably a different sermon series right there. That's a whole different sermon series, all right? But kids get to focus on receiving love only. But not you, like not me. Like, love is not a feeling. Love is a choice. And you need to choose to love people who are hard to love. You need to choose the hard things about love. That's adult love. That's a mature adult love. Is I love when it's hard. I love when it's difficult. I heard a pastor say this one time recently. He said that mature adult love looks like this. You will never be more loving than when you love against your will. You will never be more loving than when you love against your will. Loving is hard work. And many of us are unwilling to do the hard stuff. But if you want to see the Holy Spirit begin to mature in you, the kind of love that God has in store for you, then you got to put the childish stuff aside because you're not a kid anymore. you got to start doing the hard work of love. Here's the second thing. Practice what you know. You want to see the Holy Spirit begin to mature you in love? Practice the stuff that you already know. All right? He says, a look in the mirror it shows a reflection of you, doesn't it? You all looked in one. Probably most of you. Well, there's a few that maybe you didn't. But, but you, we all looked in the mirror this morning, and we saw a reflection of ourselves. All right? Now, it's not the, that wasn't the real you. It was a reflection of you. What Paul's saying is, like, that was just kind of like an image, almost like a funhouse mirror. It's exaggerated. It's distorted. It's kind, of a, it's kind of you, but it's really not you. And Paul says that you are a work in progress, that the Holy Spirit in every person's heart who has put their faith in Jesus, right, is working to mature you in love. You're not finished yet. You're a work in progress. All right, you understand that? You are a reflection, a dim reflection of what will one day be perfected. Okay? And you're a work in progress. And Jesus is, so Paul's saying, practice what you know already, even just a little bit. Jesus said something that all of you know, and maybe you don't even know that he said it because we call it the golden rule. And that is to do unto others as you would have them do to you. Now, most good-willed people, and I'm going to assume that most of us, even those of us who are watching online, we're good-willed people, all right? So, so most good-willed people have some idea of what it means to be loving. And that's basic level. You have some idea of what you like to receive and call love as you receive it from others. All Paul is saying is, you want to see the Holy Spirit mature you in godly love? Hey, guys, just start being faithful to the things that you already know are true about love. Start there. 
you have a dim reflection of that love already starting to grow inside your, your, your heart. So be faithful to that. Because if you can't be faithful to the ways that you know love is defined, to the, way, the things that you know about love, the way that you should give it, the way that you want to receive it, you can't be faithful to your own heart. There's no way you'll be loving to other people. Get in the habit of questioning your actions and your reactions. Get in the habit of questioning your motives and your attitudes. Ask yourself daily, decision by decision, was that a more gracious response? Okay. Was, was I more generous toward him today? Was I more giving? Was I more relaxed? Was I, did I t- take my guard down a little bit? Did, did my tone of voice change? Was I more generous? Was I more gracious? Right? Was I more forgiving? Those are things, those are ways that you want to be treated. Guys, this isn't rocket science. So what is it that you already know, the basic understanding that you have about love? Practice that. The Holy Spirit wants to work on you day by day to fuller develop love in you. Start with what you already know. Here's the third thing. Depend on God. Depend on God. Express love through action. This is what you do. He says, dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God, and everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not know God, or I'm sorry, whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Get this. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us and his love is made complete in us. Listen, what motivates your love? Who is it? It's God. Who gets to define love? Who loved first? Who was the first one to create love? Who was it? It was God. Who's the one that matures you in love? It's not you. It's God. And you can't be more loving. Here's the thing, church. You can't be more loving by trying harder. You'll never get there. You can't understand or define love. You know why you can't understand? You and I don't get to choose how to define love. Do you know why that is? Because because our thoughts and our emotions drive our love, and our emotions are dependent on circumstances, on viewpoints, on people, on personality, on the kind of day we're having. Your emotions and my emotions, guys, they're inconsistent, they're, they're, they're unsteady, and they can't be trusted. So if your emotions and if your definition of love is based on simply what, how you feel, but your feelings are unsteady, inconsistent, and not trustworthy, then what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Don't you see, we need someone to show us what real love looks like. We need a creator. We need a savior to lay a foundation of love for us. We need that from him, right? Because we need to know what we're aiming at, don't we? You need to know what love expressed through action actually looks like. And we need to know then how we can allow him to mature it in us. That's what John is saying is that God is the very definition of love. 
Love isn't love. God is love. He determines what it looks like. He set the foundation for it. And the more you surrender your heart to him in obedience and trust, the more he will mature love in your heart. And until, I'm just being very honest with you. This is the message of the gospel. Until you accept the ultimate lover of your soul, you will try to be more loving without any power behind it at all. What's the opposite of love? It's not hate. Hate's not the opposite of love. We say, well, I'm not a hateful person, so all of a sudden he says, well, I'm pretty loving. I'm a loving, I'm a loving guy. But, but listen, listen to what Paul includes in Galatians chapter 5. I told you there was a list of things before the fruit of the Spirit was listed, and now I'm going to read it to you. And this comes from the message version of the Bible. It's a, a pretty modernized language, but bear with me on this one. Galatians chapter 5, this is Paul's list prior to the fruit of the Spirit. It is obvious what kind of life develops out of trying to get your own way all the time. Repetitive, loveless, cheap sex a stinking accumulation of mental and emotional garbage, frenzied and joyless grabs for happiness, trinket gods, magic show religion, paranoid loneliness, cutthroat competition, all-consuming yet never satisfied wants, a brutal temper, an impotence to love or be loved, divided homes and divided lives, small-minded and lopsided pursuits, the vicious habit of depersonalizing everyone into a rival, uncontrolled and uncontrollable addictions, ugly parodies of community. I could go on. That's the list that comes prior to that. And until you surrender your heart to the lover and creator of your soul, that's the list that will define your spirit. The opposite of love isn't hate, it's selfishness. It's selfishness. That's the opposite of love. You seek for yourself, you define love how you want, you grow in it in the ways that you want to, you withhold it when you want to. That is the epitome of selfishness. And that's the opposite of love. God showed us the epitome of what love really looks like in its selflessness when he was tortured and nailed to a cross. I need you to understand that. I need you to hear that. He sent his son to die on a cross for you and me simply because you and I cannot define love on our own. We have no idea where to start. You can't do it. You can't do it. I can't do it. So he did it. He defined it. And he showed us the epitome of his love for us. When we put our faith, faith in Jesus, Paul says, or John said in chapter four, that his love is made complete in us. When you put your faith in Jesus, his love is made complete. That means that, that it's totally in you, that God and his love are, are inseparable. So when you put your faith in Jesus, his love comes flooding into your life, not just impartially, not just dependent on your actions or your reactions, but fully and completely. And we're gonna celebrate baptisms next week. And if you, have, if you have never put your faith in Jesus before, if you've never surrendered to him and you've never surrendered to baptism, come up afterwards and find one of us and we'd love to talk to you about that. We would love to share with you about that. 
express love in action. The work of the Holy Spirit is going to do something on us in these next eight weeks. You can't do it, and you can't do it by trying hard enough. The Holy Spirit's going to mature each and every one of us in these things, in love. So your daily practices and our daily steps of obedience and trust are going to open our hearts to the Holy Spirit doing exactly what it is he wants to do. And we will mature in love day by day. And this is going to be the best summer of your life. Pray with me. Father, do what only you can do in us. We are yours, your sons and daughters. Who receive your love, Father, and the power of your spirit to do what only you can do, and that is to grow us. Grow us into the men and women that you would have us be, Father. Teach us about your love for us so that we can allow the Holy Spirit to grow that brand of love in us and through us, Father. You're the only one who can do it, and we need that. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen.